if you're infected with the Delta variant and if you're unvaccinated, it is highly likely you will be a super spreader. Welcome to the Rain Insights on COVID-19 podcast. I'm Emily Donahue. Let's listen as Rain founder David Lawrence speaks with doctors Fred Southwick and Bill Lang for our weekly coronavirus update. Fred and Bill, again, uh, thanks for spending time with us. We have a lot to talk about uh, this week. Uh, why don't we start um, with the two topics that we've been discussing prior to going live, uh, what the data is showing and um, the advice for institutions uh, that are bringing their workers back uh, in terms of the vaccinated population and the unvaccinated population. David, you know, it's things to me, it's, I still think the data is saying that if you are vaccinated, that you're pretty safe to go out and about and do your, do what you need to do, including going to work. And I don't know that masks make a whole lot of difference in that setting. The Delta variant, I think Fred will talk a little bit more about it. Is there's some concern about the, the Delta variant and how much uh, virus when someone has it, do they put into the environment? But for businesses, the, the approach that I've been taking is saying, look, we're not at a spot where you want to start backing off on requirements. You know, if, if you are still having people mask, keep them masking. If you've, if you had already a few weeks ago gone to taking the masks off, I don't necessarily think that the data is saying you need to put people back into masks. Uh, but I, I, this is not a time when I would be backing off. I think we need at least, at least a couple of weeks to get a better handle and better idea on what the, this, uh, the Delta variant is doing. Right now, where things stand is over half of all new COVID cases in the United States um, are Delta. In the Midwest and the mountain states, it's over 80%. In Europe, it's expected to reach over 90% by the end of next month. Um, it's already over 95% in the UK. Putting all that together, I think that what that means is if we're talking about COVID, we're talking about Delta. Any planning that, that we're doing, you talk about this highly infectious delta. Um, so that's, that's, that's where things stand right now. Um, numbers are going up. Um, they're going up just, just about everywhere. Um, and it's delta that's driving it. Yeah, Bill, Bill you're exactly right. In, in 48 states as of yesterday, the number of cases is in, has been increasing. And uh, I just got off uh, being uh, the admitting officer of the day in our emergency room in uh, uh, Gainesville, Florida, and I saw eight new cases of COVID-19, three of which were individuals who had been vaccinated who ended up being hospitalized. And uh, they were over 60, where the immune response may not be quite as strong. And as I was talking to Bill earlier, I am concerned that we know that the Delta variant um, has a replication rate that is higher within cells. Therefore, it's highly likely, although there aren't studies yet, that the number of virions per ml in the nasal passages are likely to be also much higher. So what that means is if someone is unvaccinated, they come into a room and with you and you are vaccinated, there is a risk, particularly if you're over the age of 60, of you getting an infection that is serious enough that you may be hospitalized. Now, whether this is going to protect against fatal cases, uh, time will tell. But this is a great concern. Uh, the danger of 
and uh, unvaccinated individuals who are infected with the Delta variant are at high risk for everyone. So you've really got to think of it in terms, there's three different modes of transmission. If you, you have it, uh, people who are unvaccinated, we know are transmitting it very easily to people who are unvaccinated. In fact, there's pretty good data out there that this, the 15 minutes and six feet is probably out of date now. Transmission from unvaccinated to unvaccinated can happen very quickly. A brief conversation from at a relatively close distance is probably enough to cause a transmission, unvaccinated to unvaccinated. Now, then what about unvaccinated to vaccinated? And that's, that's what Fred was just talking about. People who may not have the best immune system, they're gonna be at, at risk. It would probably take a slightly higher dose, take a longer time, but but they're still it's they're not going to be as protected as they were against the the uh, wild type virus. What we the other thing we don't know though is is vaccinated to vaccinated. There have been very very few reported cases of transmission from somebody who is vaccinated and for whatever however they caught it they they got infected. But very few transmissions from those people to other vaccinated people, um, just because it, it takes more to it takes more to infect someone who is vaccinated and someone who is vaccinated does not produce as much virus. So that that is protective all around. Yeah, I would agree with Bill. And, and Israel actually looked at uh, the concentration of the virus in the nose of those who have been vaccinated. And it was 10 to 100 fold, maybe a thousand fold lower. So the vaccination does reduce, if you do get exposed, it reduces the concentration of virus in the nasal passage and makes it far less likely that you will spread it to others. What is interesting, though, and, and um, I haven't seen any good explanation for it yet, is that while the infection rate seems to be, well, not seems to be, it is higher for people who are unvaccinated um, for with Delta, they don't seem to be getting sicker at higher rates. It's still, for people who are unvaccinated, it's still that of out of everybody who gets infected, and this obviously changes with with age. It's about fifteen percent get sick enough to be to need medical care. About five percent get sick enough to be hospitalized, and then you know, still depending on age, zero point one to one percent um, die from the die from it if you're unvaccinated. Now we've been able to affect that with the treatments that we have. The uh, the monoclonal antibodies and steroids have made have certainly impacted the uh, the death rate, but. If you're unvaccinated, you're still at risk. Yeah, I would agree again with Bill on this. And I actually helped virtually care for 80 patients in a rural area of, of a hospital in India. And what we did is we started remdesivir at the first arrival to the hospital because the replication rate of the, of the Delta variant is much higher. And if you can, uh, in any infectious agent, if you've got a logarithmic growth, the sooner you can intervene to kill that, that infectious agent, the less severe will be the illness. So is there every reason to believe that in this case, you want to seek medical attention at the first symptom and sign of COVID-19 and uh, either get monoclonal antibodies or remdesivir to abort the full consequences of, of this virus. The one worry I have, Bill, I, and I haven't seen the firm statistics, but the news is reporting that and in southern Missouri, 
they're seeing many more younger individuals who are seriously impacted that are ending up in the ICU, far more than in the previous surge. Hold that thought. We'll be right back. So with all that said, maybe I can leverage um, some practical advice. The issue that almost every institution, government agencies, schools, private sector entities are struggling with is um, they have a workforce, um, a proportion of which has been fully vaccinated, a proportion of which has been partially vaccinated, and some who have not been vaccinated at all. And as they reopen uh, their doors, they want to know what should they be doing. And as you know, some institutions, and Bill, you've been very eloquent on this point, have been saying uh, we're going to require everyone to be vaccinated if they're going to return. Um, you have some, you know, some very, very good points around yeah, that. The, the, the big issue here is still people are very reticent to require a vaccination that has not yet been approved for use. Yeah, it's been authorized, not approved. Okay, so, let me let me just clarify that for the audience, that there has not been formal FDA approval. That's what you're saying. Correct. But but with that, we we the everything is pointing to probable formal approval of the um, the mRNA vaccines, the Pfizer and Moderna here probably the next next four to six weeks. Um, there hasn't been a lot of chatter. It was it was originally they were saying, yes, late summer, meaning July or August, uh, we're probably going to start getting close to approvals. There hasn't been a lot of talk about a date yet. Um, but I think it's pretty clear that with three and a half billion doses of vaccine, now that's not the mRNA vaccines. It's probably, it's probably been about, about a million of the, a billion of the, um, of the mRNA vaccines that have been administered. We have a pretty good track record now on uh, efficacy and safety. So I would expect that we're going to see the approval process move along pretty well. And then once we have approvals, I think a lot of people will be much more comfortable about saying, um, yes, we are in fact going to require vaccination in our workplace. Now, what a lot of companies are, are starting to think about doing is saying, we're we're not going to require you to get vaccinated, but if you're going to be coming back into the office, yeah, you know, as as companies are developing their return to office plans, yeah, you know, they're saying, look, we we want to return to office. We know how important it is to to at least have some degree of in office interactions, um, in many cases, to get business done. Well, those people who are coming back, the first ones back are going to be those who have been vaccinated. We're not going to you're not penalized by not being vaccinated, but you're not coming back into the office until you're vaccinated because we have to protect our workforce. Where that gets more difficult is in inherently uh, at workplace types of things, distribution centers, uh, construction. You, know, you you can't very well do re, you can't work a distribution center remotely. You've got to you've got to be in there. Um, those places are going to have to. They're going to be thinking about either. You know, frequent testing programs. Um, you know, tests have come down for the antigen tests have come down to you know, in bulk ten bucks a test. So, do you test everybody? Every everybody who is not immunized, do you test them every day? Um, that's certainly one one strategy. Um, so, there I think there were there are people are going to be having to go back to what we were thinking about with some of these these testing strategies. 
um, that we were talking about before we had widespread availability vaccine. Those questions are going to start coming up again. Yeah, Bill, I, I agree with that approach. That is, if you're vaccinated, you can come back to the workforce. If you're not, you shouldn't. But in the manufacturing setting where everyone has to be physically present, I, you're going to have to do uh, testing and screening of all those that are unvaccinated. And they're going to be, need to be tested fairly frequently. And it'll, the frequency really will depend on the prevalence, the activity of disease in your particular region. If it's high, you might need testing daily. Uh, if it's low, it might be uh, once a week. Uh, it really depends. And then obviously you've got to keep your eye on any symptoms. Uh, but the problem, as we know, is that individuals who do not have symptoms, actually in the early phases of the infection, are often the most infectious. And I, I haven't seen studies of super spreaders, but I would the concept that I would like to promote is that if you're infected with the Delta variant, it is highly likely and if you're unvaccinated, it is highly likely you will be a super spreader. And the points that I hear you guys making is that even if you are vaccinated, exposure to people who are a spreader means that you too are vulnerable, notwithstanding the vaccination. But we got to be careful about that because the people will hear that and they're thinking absolutes. It's like, why did I bother to get vaccinated? No, it's, you, is it possible for somebody who is vaccinated to get infected? Yes, it is possible. It is much, much less likely if you are vaccinated. The presence of Delta, if you're around somebody who is not vaccinated and has a Delta variant and they're up in your face, yeah, you you do stand a good chance of getting back of getting infected. The chance of getting significantly ill in that setting is much, is much much lower because the vaccination, especially in in other than the uh, older people or those who have have other reasons to have um, impaired immune response, generally speaking. People, even if they get infected, if they are vaccinated, are going to do just fine. Uh, the, the patients that I've had very have not been sick. They just they've had basically cold symptoms or just like allergy symptoms, and for whatever reason decided to get tested. And oh my gosh, I've got it. But we've just the, your chances of getting infected are higher with Delta than they would have been with the with the regular. Right. So let me uh, because I think you know, Bill, the point you're making is an excellent one. And Fred, there's nuance here. So number one, being vaccinated greatly reduces the chance that you will be infected. It even, it certainly, and even to a greater extent, reduces the possibility that if you are infected, that you will need hospitalization and that the illness will be serious that when vaccinated people are around only vaccinated people, the chances of any issue arising seem to be relatively de minimis. But the cautionary note that you're sounding as people congregate together, whether it's in the workplace, they're at concerts, sporting events, etc., is around the people who have not been vaccinated 
and the potential for them to be infected and to spread to other unvaccinated people is a high risk and highly consequential event. And that also to be around, even if you are vaccinated, to be around those people is a risk that companies and other sponsors should try to avoid. And Fred, what I heard you say and, and Bill earlier is that if if you are running a company or you're running a government agency that doesn't require people to be working side by side and everyone in, you know, a manufacturing plant, etc., that the people who should be coming back to work are the ones who are vaccinated and the ones who have not been vaccinated without penalty for their own safety, but also the safety of others who have not been vaccinated and others who have been vaccinated, that they should not be coming back to the office. Would that be a fair summation? Yes, that's that's a very good uh, summary, David. And for manufacturing areas where people have to be, to fulfill their job, have to be physically present, I think those that are unvaccinated will need to be tested and continually screened uh, for active disease because they endanger not only other unvaccinated employees, but they also risk uh, result that will result in a risk to those who are vaccinated. And also, obviously, one has to keep track of the people that they in turn are in contact with um, in the event that they come down with this. And for those uh, in the audience who are neither Red Sox or Yankee fans, I can't imagine there there are any people out there who are not Red Sox or Yankee fans. But if um, the game had to be postponed last night uh, because a number of uh, players on the Yankees um, you know, began to test positive and or had been exposed to somebody who had been uh, positive. So um, to the point you were making, both Fred and Bill, Delta is different. Uh, this is spreading at a far more, I'll use the word, rapacious fashion. And so it's a bit of a game changer and we have to pivot accordingly. And Fred, I remember from a prior broadcast, you had some questions because of the way the Delta variant can spread and the basically the uh, size of the pathogen, whether masks could even be considered effective. And so any update that you guys might have, other than testing on a regular basis, is there a particular type of mask that unvaccinated people should be wearing in light of what we know right now? about the Delta variant. Um, Bill, do you have any thoughts on that? The one thing that I have, uh, in our hospital now, every uh, healthcare worker is uh, supposed to wear an N95 mask. Those are masks that have to be carefully fit and are tight. So when you breathe in, no air comes around the sides of the mask. It only goes through the mask. And the mask itself has a finer meshwork that really does uh, eliminate uh, inhaling of variants. Um, I, my understanding, there is a mask from South Korea. I think it's M94. It's a different, but you don't have to be fit tested for 
that is almost uh, as effective as an N95. And apparently those are available on the commercial market. But Bill, you may have some other uh, information on this. No, that's, it's just the question of, you know, do we need to start thinking about putting people back in masks? Um, you know, we just, just came out of the, of that, what, six weeks ago now. And now there's a lot of people are asking the questions in, in indoor environments. Uh, do we need to have masks? Uh, there are some governments that are doing that. Uh, we know internationally, we know that the, the, the UK, they, they never really backed off. Um, Israel is putting people, you must wear a mask if you're indoors. Um, do we need to do that throughout the United States? You know, and again, it comes down to this is not a uh, one huge pandemic that acts the same every place. It is a it's a series of linked local local epidemics. So if you're in an area where you have rates that are back up in the in the uh, 25 or greater, which is considered widespread intense local transmission then you know you might want to think about that but if you're in an area where your rate has is still in the low single digits then it's probably not needed um and, and again it's it's all a matter of risk and if you're vaccinated your risk is not is is not zero but it's certainly much much lower yeah i, I agree with bill on that and um you know it all depends on on how active the infection is in your area one problem we have in, in Alachua County is we have our vaccination rate is about the same as the nation, somewhere around 68%. However, the outlying counties, which are just 15 miles away, uh, the vaccination rates are only 35%. So if those individuals come into our county, uh, then uh, we are at risk. So one of the problems, I think, in, particularly in areas that have rural counties nearby, uh, all bets are off. And I think you should be more cautious in that setting. It is somewhat interesting looking at the national map and just selectively looking at counties. And you do see where the counties that are having the really the highest numbers are typically highest numbers per population are in the, the rural counties. And many of the many, if not most of the urban areas that had huge problems right after the first of the year, they're dealing pretty well with this. And it, it calls to calls into question of, you know, is this a, a herd immunity issue? And have the urban counties that had bad outbreaks earlier on, do they have some degree of herd immunity that's helping with that? I, I don't know, Fred, what do you think on that? I, I think it is possible, though I worry uh, in that uh, it seems that natu quote, natural herd immunity is not uh, probably not that effective against the Delta uh, variant uh, because of the high inoculum size. If it's overcoming some individuals who have had uh, two doses of the Moderna or the Pfizer vaccine, it's highly likely it will overcome natural herd immunity, which really, in most cases, induces a much less robust immune response to the virus. If these are great points. Um and I'm sure will be appreciated. Bill, thank you, Fred, again, for sharing the insights and, and for following the data so closely. Look forward to speaking next week. Thank you, David. Looking forward to talking again. Thank you, David. 
Dr. Bill Lang is an expert in public health responses to biological incidents, including pandemics. Dr. Fred Southwick is an infectious disease specialist at the University of Florida College of Medicine. Both doctors are part of the RAIN Expert Network. Individuals and organizations turn to RAIN for risk intelligence that cuts through the hype to focus on what they need to know, what to expect, and what to do. Sign up for our coronavirus solution and get critical information on the COVID-19 pandemic delivered daily. Visit us at rainnetwork.com. That's R-A-N-E network.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening.